The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So very glad to get to be with you this evening again. Uh, Last night we practiced with awareness of any leaning towards wanting things to be different than they are. And this can occur in our attitudes towards our sitting practice and how it's going. We can also experience wanting to fix or change things for someone else to whom we're sending wishes of loving kindness or compassion. We may see how difficult things are for someone else or ourselves, and we may have a kind of an agenda for that to go away. <laughs> and it's important to see that if that's uh, lurking beneath the surface of our loving kindness or compassion practice, because that's not actually how it works. Um, whenever we have this wanting things to be different than they are, especially when it's a persistent wanting or a kind of subtle insistence that life should be that way, we're encountering the hindrance of greed. By the way, hindrances are very natural and ubiquitous forms of human conditioning. We all get to experience them. Um, They are part of the cause of dissatisfaction, stress, and suffering. But where our mindfulness and Brahma-Vihara practices are designed to take us is to freedom from those things. And that is why we need to recognize if there's a hindrance present during our meditations uh, when we're sending loving kindness or compassion. In order to come uh, become free, we want to get thoroughly acquainted with what stands in the way. And sometimes it's so tempting. We want to kind of say, yep, saw that, check, going on to the next thing. But in reality, we actually need to get to know the things that stand in our way quite well in order for them to really resolve and let go. So um, wanting things to be different than they are uh, stands in our way. It stands in our way because it makes our ultimate happiness and freedom dependent upon external circumstances. So tonight, I thought we'd practice with another seemingly quite related uh, hindrance. It might seem like the flip side of the one we practiced last night. And that is aversion or not wanting things to be the way they are, pushing them away. So this is another common obstruction to freedom um, from stress, dissatisfaction, suffering. Unless we can become aware when we are not wanting what's happening, uh, we will very much be stuck in mental reactivity against the way things are. We'll be maybe resisting, denying, fighting, avoiding. There are different flavors of this. And the reactivity can be obvious or very subtle, ranging from a little to a lot. Uh, for example, we might be discontent or irritable um, all the way up to downright enraged, or we might be a little down, sad, or even all the way up to inconsolable. We might be apprehensive, afraid, 
even terrified. So the, all those can be forms, and I'm not criticizing them. They are part of normal human emotions, but they can become ways that we're not wanting reality to be the way it is. This hindrance of aversion can surface as attitudes about ourselves or others in daily life. We might have learned from childhood onward, for example, to blame ourselves or to blame others for difficulties we face. We might have learned to distance ourselves from pain by self-isolating, holding others at arm's length, judging others, or we might have learned to try to hold others in a tight, controlling grip. So there are all these variations of not wanting things to be the way they are. For example, we might have developed a worldview that most experiences are going to be a threat or going to be harmful, that most people might be trying to take advantage, that we're we're, uh, somehow destined not to be happy or that there's nothing good in store for us. Their life is one catastrophe after another. So there can be these ways, and I'm, I'm telling you some of the stronger ones, there can be less strong or more subtle ones that are very painful. And they result from earlier experiences that led us to conclusions that, you know, we want, of course, we would want the world to be different if we went through that kind of pain. But these conclusions don't serve us over time. Of course, it's a hugely worthwhile practice to cultivate awareness in daily life, to notice throughout the day as often as possible what the heart, the mind and heart and body are doing. So it's a powerful way of cultivating kindness and compassion. Um, we can be aware of all the ways the heart, mind and body are experiencing wholesome experiences through the day. That's very wonderful to savor those, appreciate those. And we can also notice when they are experiencing stress or suffering. And we can do that with a very simple awareness. And that kind awareness is the beginning of ways that the practice can unfold in the direction of kindness, compassion, and freedom. So the obstacle of aversion can also appear in your experience of your sitting meditation. So aversive reactions can arise like attitudes towards your sitting that it's not good enough or um, it's just not going the way it should. Maybe that it's boring. Maybe that it's uh, somehow disappointing or difficult or unpleasant. So instead of thoughts and attitudes, like the ones I just named, sometimes it's available or that that sort of resistance is physical. You might feel physically resistant to sitting or feel some kind of physical aversion. Um, And again, you may have life experiences that it conditions you in that direction. So to whatever degree this happens, this aversive reactivity is hugely important to become aware of in meditation, in daily life, and whenever it crops up when we're doing these Brahma-Vihara practices. Um, This helps us 
begin to separate those feelings from the pure kind of cultivation we're doing of kindness and compassion for ourselves and for others. Um, and the aim of the cultivation is to open this heart and help this heart become free of all of these hindrances and so that available to send wholehearted wishes of loving kindness and compassion. The, of course, that doesn't happen instantaneously, but we're trying to do, do this practice without any subtle agenda of trying to get rid of what's going on for ourselves or the other person. So instead proceeding from a kind presence with the way things are. Um, when we encounter aversive reactions and we meet them with this kind awareness and we extend kindness and compassion to the reactivity, it's very supportive to opening and cultivating this heart. Uh, so with that, let's share some meditation together. Taking your time to settle into a supportive posture and taking note of the state of your, your body, your mind, feelings, being aware of them and accepting them just as they are right in this moment meeting them. Meeting them with kindness and also noticing if there is any leaning in the direction of not wanting something that's present, not wanting it to be this way, thinking it should be another way. That awareness of it means you're not caught in it. You have this beautiful gift of mindfulness. Having heard all these various ways that we as human beings are prey to being resistant or aversive in all kinds of different ways to what is happening right now or what is happening in our lives in general, allowing yourself to notice what bubbles up whether it's something that an experience of aversion 
or resistance to the way things are, not not liking, not wanting things to be the way they are, that you're experiencing, or that somebody close to you in your life is experiencing and you're witnessing the pain of that. Giving yourself time to fully bring to mind with kindness and compassion either yourself in that experience of pushing things away, not wanting them to be the way they are, or another person. Really filling your heart and mind with feelings of care for how hard that is and how nobody wants to experience a struggle, an internal struggle, and yet we do at times. Imagining yourself holding these difficult feelings with the compassion and the tenderness with which you might pick up an infant that's crying. This is how it can be tough to be human. And starting to send, maybe feel the physical feelings and the thoughts and emotions of care for that vulnerability, that pain in yourself or in the other person. Inclining the mind towards kindness and compassion for the situation and the feelings or reactions, mental reactivity that this is bringing up. Wishing yourself and this other person or whichever you're focused on, may we be well and healthy. Coming through this difficulty in good health, 
strong with well-being. May we be safe and protected from harm, the kind of inner harm that results from painful reactivity to the way life is going, and certainly from any outer harm that's occurring. Even in difficulty, may we find contentment, may we find happiness. May we live with ease, free of suffering, free of stress, free of dissatisfaction, despite life's ups and downs.
as you continue to radiate compassion and kindness or say phrases of your own in support of this kind of aversive reactivity that can occur for yourself or for someone else. Stay gently aware of any aversion that arises that really wants these difficulties to go away. Wants the other person's or our own challenging life conditions to be different than what they are in a way that resists them. And when you're aware of that, know that that's the beginning of freedom from it. That's the beginning of being able to simply be present with what is, with what happens in life. With full kindness, with full compassion. Sending compassion to those parts of ourselves that don't want to be around difficult experience. can even send the kindness or compassion of a phrase like, I know how difficult it can be when we want an experience to go away. May I be present with you in how difficult this is without trying to push your difficulty or your struggle away. May we radiate compassion towards challenging experiences. And continuing with it in silence.
the idea of being present with aversion, um, extending some compassion or kindness towards it, is not some idea of that we're supposed to wallow in misery. <laughs> it, it, of course, we all want to be happy. And what we're doing when we're being present is we're recognizing what is here in this moment. Um, and we're not pursuing the kind of belief that happiness would be here if only I could get rid of this, or if only I could change that, or if only I could make my life be exactly the way I want it to be. Um, that's where we go astray and continue to suffer. Um, and the beauty of uh, getting the practice in this group of breakout groups is that it's a wonderful place to practice that presence as each person shares one brief thing and the rest of everybody listens, you can practice being present with whatever you hear with compassion and kindness, even if it's difficult sometimes to hear. Um, notice what comes up in you. You know, is there a part of you uh, that can remain compassionate? Is there a part of you that's had a, a life in which you've had to hear so much that it's tough to hear? Just noticing it and being kind to yourself and others. Um, and just like a really good friend, when they listen to you pour out your woes, they don't try to stop you prematurely or fix you. They just listen. Um, so likewise, in these groups, we just listen to one another wholeheartedly. Each person takes a short turn, maybe starting with the person whose last name is closest to Z in the alphabet and working backwards. And then I'm taking about 10 minutes to share and then coming back to the large group for some sharing after that. So with that, if you find yourself in a breakout group without anybody else, don't worry. I will find you and move you to one with other people. Thanks. Welcome back, everyone. So we now have about 10 minutes to share any inspirations that came up for you, any questions, what you learned about yourself and your practice this evening, anything at all. And you can raise your hand or unmute if you're not visible on screen. Yes, Neil, please. So... I, I'm, I'm interested, right? What's the difference between aversion and restlessness? Because I find aversion frequently leads to restlessness. You know, if I'm like, how many minutes left in this sit, uh -huh. right? Right. And I 
like rewind half a thought, right? There's a version every, every time. Yeah. And so that's a really important insight to see how closely tied they are for you. Restlessness is that, you know, it's a high level of energy that doesn't want to sit still. The mind, the body, they don't want to stay there. Or there's there can be uh, restless rumination over difficulties, challenges that just keep spinning. So, um, and it's for those of us who experience it, and most people will at some point, it's highly aversive as well. You know, like we don't like it. <laughs> we don't like that feeling. Um, we we both don't like the feeling of like, oh, when is this meditation going to end? And we also don't like the restlessness. <laughs> so good question. Um, we'll spend time with restlessness on Thursday night. And um, I'll, I hope to offer a few more ways to differentiate. But, you know, you're noticing it. You're noticing these two things together. And that's what's important. Thank you. Yeah. Noticing things like that is is really the beginning of freedom from them. Because if you're aware of it, you're not fully caught in it. Sometimes you're not at all caught in it. You're just seeing it. So, Ollie, please. Hi, hi, Liz. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, Sunday I was sitting at the park with this. Uh, I struck a conversation with the with the elderly lady. She was just seemed very like calm and positive. She was helping with the animals. So I said, <laughs> "What what can you you know offer?" And she just she says, "I just." She looked at me and says, "I remember uh, an interview, but she mentioned some actress's name. I don't know who she was. She says that." Uh, she said that it's, it's discouraging that most of my thought at the, she was being interviewed when she was like seventies. She was said that it's discouraging that most of my thoughts are the same ones I had when I was 13. <laughs> so, she, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then we got into different discussion, but then she offered like acceptance. And then that is, seems to be uh, the, the bottom of everything, bottom line of everything for me. I'm just offering if you, I'm, I'm wondering if you offer any words about like how to cultivate acceptance. I think it's going to be, that's the struggle, you know, accept the struggles and against everything. But thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you for that, Ollie. That's wonderful. Um, acceptance is such a close cousin of being present with things as they are, right? It's not saying we like it. It's not even saying that we rubber stamp it as, you know, this is okay. This is where a lot of people get into trouble. They think the word acceptance means I have to agree with it. We don't have to agree with it. Like we could be experiencing something that uh, we really think is bad. Uh, we don't think, you know, we think we're being harmed or we think something's going on. So something in ourselves is um, not wholesome. And we can still accept it is here now. This is it. I'm present with it. I, there's no trying to escape it. And that's what I love about what this woman shared with you. It's so interesting because um, last week I was in a teacher training session and we had the good fortune that um, Gil had invited Sylvia Borstein to talk with us. And she was saying that she notices her mind does and has done some of the same things over the decades. But she's just, you know, the impression I got is she's just a lot freer around it. She's, this is, you know, what minds do. 
they cough up these certain things and she's in a really beautiful place with it. She was my first meta teacher and I'll never forget I went into a practice discussion with her and it was one of my first practice discussions and I I told her this was a problem and that was wrong and this all these things problems I was having and she said what's what's actually feeling good what's going well for you and I was like what <laughs> I had no idea this idea that I could observe what was going well was a totally new concept so Hats off to people who can recognize that our minds really are very repetitive at times. And can we come to greater freedom of just going, yep, minds can have these ruts that they run through. So thanks very much, Ollie. And Izzy, please. Um, what I notice is that if I wash the dishes, if I sweep the floor, it helps me do other things that I don't want to do. It gets me in the mood gets me more present. The other thing, the 10-minute the thing when we practice speaking mindfully, my boss, he did, I walk him up to do that's the job that's his job, and he's blaming me for it. And, I, I, and he was kind of insulting, and I was able to switch channels so quickly. I was like, yes, you're right, and I just kept going. And it didn't matter. I was able, you know, like, I wouldn't – Previously, I would have gone back at him. I would have told him that, yeah, this is your job. Don't." I didn't even bother doing that. I just switched channels. And I think it's because of this 10-minute thing we do, you know, after meditation. It helps me be more present, and it helps me in that presence make better, clearer choices. It has nothing to do with me. Dude, do your freaking job. <laughs> and this, this kind of helped me. Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks, Izzy. Yeah, it's nice when we can uh, get to know someone else's patterns well enough that, you know, wise speech and these practices of just being present teach us there's no point in getting into a tussle here. Because, you know, sometimes it won't be timely or it won't be beneficial or it won't bring us together. You know, these qualities of wise speech, sometimes we can just spot that person is not in a state of readiness to hear this, even if it's true. So we we can hold back sometimes, or we can just be like, okay, thank you for that information. So great practice, Izzy. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. Other experiences, questions? Let's see, I... I want to make sure I don't leave anybody off who's on the other screen. Uh, Fred, please. Yeah, I've been uh, working over the last couple of months with this concept of non-contention with all things. And I find that just extremely helpful um, and um, very capable of uh, not ha- not allowing my anger to rise when I remember that uh, that concept. And uh, I just thought I'd put that out there because it's helped me so much with aversion. Thank you. That is really a wonderful one. I've heard Gil say that, not to be in contention with anything. And just imagining what, what that's like. You know, you can be in a situation where you're feeling contentious and just go, well, how you think for a second or or afterwards, if you're not able during, to think, what would it be like? What would it look like if I weren't in contention with this right now? 
So fantastic practice for overcoming aversion. And being able to be more peaceful with tough things. So maybe we can take just a minute of silent appreciation for showing up for each other, offering this practice together, and the sitting together in breakout groups in support of your own practice and each other's practice. It's really a beautiful way of developing kindness and compassion in Sangha. So thank you all. And if you'd like to unmute and say goodnight, please do. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, everyone.